If you like a lot of football on your podcasts, hold and give. I've been bullied into doing that by people on last week's live streams. If you hate it, let us know down below in whichever side has the most responses. That's the way we'll go with forevermore. Welcome to the Hold and Give Football Podcast, Episode 2. Last week was the pilot. We've ironed out all the creases. Look at how crease-free that forehead is on the other side of the camera there. It's Jackins. How you doing? Um... Yeah, I've actually got lighting this week because I realised that you've got lighting and I looked like a corpse. So I was like, oh, I better, better make an effort. I'm looking like uh, a tomato this week because the, it was about 17 degrees here in Newcastle and I spent 20 minutes walking home one day and this yeah. is the result of it, me just being a tomato. So that's nice, isn't it? That's lovely. I actually burnt my head last week because I usually wear a hat every day and it was the weekend of Eurovision, blazing outside. I thought, got to go for a nice walk. Yeah, burnt my head to a crisp. So... It- Nightmare being, nightmare being proper English, isn't it? Proper it is. English. It is, yeah. I don't know what your heritage is, otherwise I said that anyway. Did you know, Joe Atkins, <laughs> that Mark Hughes once played for Wales and Bayern Munich in the same day because uh, Wales had a game against Czechoslovakia in Prague for a Euro 88 qualifier and then Bayern Munich, who Mark Hughes just signed for, said, Oi, that game's in the afternoon, you can play for us in the evening. Mark Hughes, the miserable old trout man, was like, yes, yes, of course I will. I'd be happy to do so. Did you know that happened? I did not know that happened. Wouldn't happen today, would it? No, it wouldn't. I've got a quote from Mark Hughes where he said, I had a, I had dinner with Bayern's general manager and I apologise for the butchering of this name, Uli Honus. <laughs> might be right, might be wrong, I don't know. Uh, who asked me what time the the Wales match was. I said, I told him around, around about midday and he said, that's okay then. You can play it in the evening as well. You might be wondering what the scores were. Wales lost their game, obviously, because Gareth Bale hadn't been invented yet. But Mark Hughes was flown over the Czech border. So the Wales game was on this side of the border. The Bayern game was on that side of the border. He flew over the border, came on after an hour with Bayern Munich 1-0 down. And then they won the game 3-2 after extra time. Did he score any volleys? No, but he is the master of the volley. I remember there was a game in the 99-2000 season. Southampton beat Newcastle 4-2. I know this very well because I had the VHS for that season, the season review, and I watched it about 50 times because I was a weird child. And Mark Hughes scored a fantastic volley. Andy Gray was on commentary saying, Mark Hughes, the, the master of the volley. And I didn't know what that meant at the time, but there we go. You live and learn, don't you? The, the the only exception I have to take is you're saying Wales lost because Gareth Bale hadn't been invented yet. Like uh, Sir Ian James Rush wasn't playing for Wales at the time. What did Wales do when he was up front? Eh? What did Wales do? I'll tell you. Nothing. I'd nearly swore there, but we've got it back on track. <laughs> right. Do you want to just do a niceties bit of the podcast? Like, how's your week been? Is that a thing that people might be interested in? I don't know. Um, go for it. Um, obviously, as you well know, it was... Uh, a busy weekend of football, but it was also a busy weekend of wrestling. That's why I'm knackered and you're knackered. That's <laughs> why there's no content on the channel this week, because it's been all systems go in a different <laughs> parallel universe. But I, that's basically what my week's been. It's just been all of that bollocks. But yeah, we need to speak same. about... Here to be on more things closer to Michael Ballocks now. That was a lovely segue into the news of the week. Oh, I'm very sorry. Mauricio Pochettino has been appointed the new Chelsea manager, the Argentine, who was 51 years old. I know he played in the 2002 World Cup, but you just don't equate that to someone being 51 in no. 2023. He, he, he looks good for 51 as well. Very suave, isn't he? Uh, he will yeah. be, begin his new role on July the 1st after signing a two-year contract with a further option, well, an option for a further year. Uh, Pochettino, Chelsea say, was their first choice, which has got to be a load of Michael Ballacks, <laughs> because they weren't talks with Nagelsmann and his skateboard and whatnot, weren't they, surely? Yeah. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Pochettino. Uh, I think... I don't know. I think he overachieved at Tottenham, and everyone's like, oh, Pochettino's great, he's amazing. It's like... 
he, he won two things with PSG when anyone could win anything with PSG. I don't like his fake humility either. What do you mean fake humility? It was before, it was on the route to the Champions League final, which, you know, Liverpool beat Tottenham. Um, and he said, oh, trophies only build ego. And it's like, oh, piss off, mate. That's your one job. You've got to win the trophy. Why did you cry when you lost the Champions League then? Yeah. I mean, to yeah. that, I would say big Sam Allardyce, because if trophies build ego, <laughs> that man would explode if he ever won one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me, Amaja should either be totally charming or a prick. Mm. Um, I don't like the nice guy act, but... I think he's got a hell of a job to do at Chelsea, but if they give him time, if he can work his man management style with that squad, who knows? But it's all about whether they give him the time. I think it's a big job for him as well, because obviously, as you say, they did very well with Tottenham. He did very well with Southampton before that as well. He took them from <laughs> sort of where they were, sort of mid-table up towards fifth, sixth, and then obviously Koeman took over and maybe took it a little bit further, I guess. But I guess the recruitment might have been a bit better there. But as you say, after PSG, after what Chelsea have been through this season, it's a big job for not only Chelsea, but for him as well to get things back on track. Because I do think his, um, his reputation's taken a bit of a, a bit of a whack um, <laughs> while, he was, while he was in Paris. Yeah, and... Uh... I mean, where do you start at Chelsea? They're going to have to... Tri- I was going to say trim the fat. They're going to have to absolutely butcher that squad, aren't they? It's going to be very difficult because the, the most interesting thing about this is the two-year contract with an option for a further year. Obviously, Todd Bowley a little while ago was taking a step back from running the football club. I think it's a year this week since mm. he took over. I've got a stat in my notes somewhere here. He's the fourth manager is Pochettino since Todd Bowley took over a year ago. It's... it's <laughs> We thought it was bad when Abramovich was in charge, but bloody hell. <laughs> um, but it's it's very interesting because obviously they're signing players like Mudrik and Enzo and all these players on eight-year contracts. Mm. And the manager's on a two-year deal. Does that not make the manager a hell of a lot more disposable than obviously these massive contracted players are? And does that not bring up issues of like, if it's not working with certain players and Pochettino, who I, I assume is going to be having full control over the squad, not like what Graham Potter was given, like, here's a bunch of toys, make it work. Um, should that create an issue with the players maybe having more power than the manager, more leverage? Possibly. But I just think it's a logistical thing is it must be easier to sack a manager than fire a player. That's, that's the only thing, like... You don't um, fire them. You got to move them on and try and recoup some of your investment, surely. Well, yeah, exactly. Because the only thing that came into my head was uh, Adrian Mutu, but that was for uh, other reasons, wasn't it? So um... he was off the rails. Wait, no, he was on the rails, wasn't he? He went off the rails to get on the rails. Oh, he the did. Cocaine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, just another thing about Todd Bowley. I guess while we're here, he spent more than five hundred and fifty million on players in his year in charge. Two hundred eighty-eight million of that. This is in pounds, by the way. Uh, took place in January, which was totally more than all the clubs in the Bundesliga, La Liga, Serie A, and League One combined which I find obviously amazing, but also very funny. (laughs) Yeah, because we've spoken before on the channel about some of the woes of Liverpool fans. It's just like, oh, our owners won't spend money. And then we see Chelsea absolutely spaffing it into the bin. And we're just like, yeah, but can we find the middle ground, please? It'd be quite nice. I tell you what as well, where do you think he needs to start Pochettino? Because I watched that Man United game last week and Chelsea had two massive chances in that first half. And it, I tell you, if they had a proper centre forward, because Mudrik just, he spaffed one when he was through, like mm. sort of middle of the goal, just like tapping him, get good contact, it would have been a goal. Then it was Havertz as well. He had a header sort of six, seven yards out. Centre a goal again. He nuts that wide with his 50 pence heed, as we would say up here in Newcastle upon time. If they had a centre forward in that game, I reckon they might have won. <laughs> I just think it depends on what movements they're going to make because a lot of the Chelsea fans can't stand Havertz, can they? So they think he's going to get moved on. Um, 
like you said, Mudrick there, he needs to, he's not set the world on fire, but he needs a bit more time. I honestly don't know. Because they've got the money, they could probably sign whoever they wanted, but it's just a case of if he can work with the players and get them a cohesive unit, who knows where they can go. Do you think there's a chance Lukaku comes back in? Because obviously he's still officially a Chelsea player as we're sat here in July, well, nearly June of 2023. I think yeah. there's a, he's got to get him back in, surely. I mean, it's, it's one of those with Lukaku as well. It feels like he should be about 42 by now, but because he's just been around forever. He's played for about 70 different teams. I, I forgot he was still legally Chelsea's property, but um, he could do. You never know. He's been doing good things as Lukaku looks. He's got a new girlfriend he's seen in the press today. No? He's, been, he's been pictured holding hands with Megan the Stallion. Is that how you say her official yeah, shoot name? Me- I don't know. Megan the me- me- shoot name. <laughs> <laughs> First name Megan, second name The, third name Stallion. <laughs> no, I was not aware of that, but congratulations to the to the new couple. I don't know. <laughs> he manifested on Twitter, though. The guy, apart from when he's playing football, doesn't miss. Someone apparently, well, I, I saw that before we were and I, someone tweeted him saying, do you like Megan The Stallion? He's like, ooh, very nice. And then look at him now, he's holding hands with some geek. I don't know what's going on. Fantastic scenes anyway. Because Lukaku is a funny one, isn't he? Because he's, he's obviously, if you're going to b- build a footballer from the ground up or a centre forward from the ground up, a prototypical centre forward, he's got everything. But it's mm. just that finishing, isn't it? It's just that finishing that lets him down. Yeah, because I think a lot of Chelsea fans were just thinking, look at him, he's, you know, he, he's a unit, he's muscular, he's strong on the ball. Ooh, could this be the second coming of Didier Drogba? And not quite. Not quite, no. Not I mean, it's quite quite, no. quite a big uh, sort of like legacy to live up to, but not quite. He did all nah. right, didn't he? But not quite. Yeah. Anyway, moving on from Chelsea. I guess, do we mention Mason Mount? Is anyone bothered? <laughs> Well, we were heavily linked with him, and then it came up last week. It was like, oh, he'd prefer to go to United, but I don't know. I've got a mate who's a Chelsea fan. A flan. He's not a flan. He's a <laughs> Chelsea fan, and he says he'd be gutted to see Mount go. He's been a bit of a scapegoat this season, but seasons previous, he was fantastic. If Pochettino, again, using that word again, uses his man management, he might stay. Who knows? It's just going off England games that I've seen him play, and I don't get him. I just don't. I see all the pundits going, oh, he's exactly what you want if you're a manager like Gareth Southgate. He always takes up the right positions. Mm. All his work off the ball is fantastic. When it comes to actually goals and assists, which is all I care about as an England fan, <laughs> not up there, is he? Don't get him. Just don't get it. I think that's a, that's a caveat that people come out with who like a player but don't have the stats to back it up. But, you know, the stuff you can't see off the ball is wonderful at that, you know, honestly, mm. he is. As long as we don't go down the XG route, because I can't stand all that virgin behaviour. But um, yeah, yeah, you throw us he's... there for a second. But I, I think you said something wonderful and insightful. <laughs> I, I, did, I was just mocking people who pay attention to XG. I'm saying <sighs> we're not talking about XG here because that's, that's that's a virgin's game. It is a virgin's game. Another Michael <laughs> Ballack, I might say. Um, five men who made over seven million pounds streaming football matches to tens of thousands of customers have been jailed for more than 30 years collectively. The operation made more than seven million from at least 50,000 customers and resellers. Stephen Gordon, <laughs> sorry to cough, uh, was jailed for five years and nine months for two counts of conspiracy to defraud. Peter Jolly... I don't know if that's going to be the case anymore, was sentenced to five years and two months for two counts of conspiracy to fraud and one count of money laundering after concealing £500,000 in his parents' bank accounts. That must have been a nice, nice surprise for them. Uh, the, uh, the Premier League said that Christopher Felvus, 
I think I've got that right. Velvis Presley uh, has pleaded guilty <laughs> of two counts of conspiracy to defraud and was jailed for three years and 11 months. Then William Brown, who initially pleaded not guilty, claimed to have been an undercover informant acting in the interest of the law enforcement. But the Premier League said the 33-year-old hacked legitimate customers' accounts to access and copy streams for them to take to blame if identified by authorities. He was jailed for four years and nine months. I mean, these are people acting on, you know, with the best intentions. You know, they're stealing. I get that. That's against the law. It's somebody else's property. It's worth a lot of money. It's a bad thing to do. But I tell you what's even more of a criminal thing to do. It would be to charge £80 a month to watch these things legally. I think that they're acting with honest intentions and the sentences they've been given when you compare it to actual crimes. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, things we can't say on YouTube because they'll demonetize the video because they'll the automatic sentences will pick up on it. When you see the sentences that's being given out for stuff like that in comparison to what's being given here, the authorities need to give their heads a wobble. They're clearly sending a message, aren't they? Because, I mean, obviously, myself and yourself, Ross, we watch all football in legal means. I'm bankrupt uh, because of Sky and BT. Bankrupt. Yeah. I just remember the good old days of Iraq goals. Just bring that back. That's all I'm saying. Bloody <laughs> no, I've not heard that for years. <laughs> Never used it myself, though, of course, because no, I always pay for Sky. Yep, neither did I. Yep. <laughs> uh, but it's one of those, like like you said, they have broken the law, but when I saw it, I was just like, yeah, that money talks, doesn't it? Money talks. Um, but... I don't think it'll stop. I just think they'll get cleverer. Uh, cleverer. That's not even a word. It shows how clever I am. They'll just get smarter. They'll find new ways of getting around it. They'll it'll keep going. This will never stop. The only way it's going to stop if they bring out a Netflix for football. I think it's what everyone's crying out for, where you pay like a tenner a month, maybe even £20 a month, I'd be happy to pay, where you get mm. to pick and choose from the leagues you want to watch and you pay based off that and it's just all there for you to watch as and when you want to. I think that's that's the answer, is it not, Premier League? Get it, get it sorted out. Yeah, I think it's... I think it's the NHL, um, the hockey in America and Canada. I'm sure their app is or used to be. You pay X amount a month and you pick your team. So you get all your team's matches. But you, I think you can pick a second team as well, that you get a handful of them as well. So if you're keeping an eye on a rival, you can watch bits and bobs and that. That's a fairer way of doing it. Yeah, anything's better than what the, the, the current state. Media's moved on from what these TV packages are. Putting yeah. together, especially when Sky are cancelling your likes of your soccer AMs of the world and whatnot, which I know yeah. it fell off a long way, but I was still sad to see it go last weekend. Were you ever a fan of the soccer AM? Oh, but bits and bobs, yeah. Back when I was in, um, well, year seven and year eight, me and my mates in DT, we were just like, oh, it's the afternoon now, so we had soccer PM, so that's what we used to do <laughs> instead of doing work. We just farted around chatting footy. Um, but I, I'm, I'm that old that I remember the good old days of Bidil and Skinner doing fantasy football, so nothing holds a candle to that in my books. But I wasn't quite around for those days, but I was around for Euro 2004's fantasy football reboot on ITV1. Oh, yeah, a bit of Phoenix for the Flames. Oh, you can still oh. watch them on YouTube, they're superb. But yeah, those kind of irreverent magazine programmes, well, I suppose like arseholes like me and you doing this on YouTube is the reason why that's declined, I suppose. And that's the thing as well. I think they're going to be replacing Soccer AM with, I think it's called like the Saturday Social or something like that, where they've, mm. they've literally got tits like me and you 
who don't have never played the game, never been anywhere near the game, you know, that sort of old chestnut that footballers like to throw at fans for not having opinions and whatnot. Just having them doing like <laughs> tier lists and like here's where Dream Elevens and whatnot. Like you're charging people however much a month to watch that sort of stuff that you can get for free on YouTube. I think it's a slap in the face. And original programs like Soccer AM should be on the airwaves still. And of course, Jeff Stellan as well has left Soccer Saturday. That's a double yeah. whammy from last Saturday. So football on Sky is never going to be the same again. And I'm guessing their subscriber base will be dropping off massively <laughs> shut up alexa alexa started talking stop it stop alexa alexa stop why does it say find a book by stephen king right anyway <laughs> we're gonna move on <laughs> right martial the fa cup finals this weekend everybody it's crept up on everybody who isn't in manchester i guess um anthony martial will miss saturday's final against manchester city with a hamstring injury they initially thought it was one thing in the 2-1 win against fulham at old trafford on the last day but tests have revealed the 27 year old has suffered a muscle tear the club confirmed on tuesday martial just in case you're wondering he's got six goals and made two assists in premier league 21 matches this season and of course i don't think this will have much bearing on the game at all I don't know if Martial well I don't know what I was going to say there how effective is Martial in Manchester United's team I know they don't have many options up front but I don't suppose if you're going to pick a a player to lose Man United Martial's going to be near the top of the the pecking order yeah because most of the talk's been about Rashford this season because obviously he had that purple patch for a while but he dropped off towards the end Um, as much as I don't want to say it Obviously, it's a final, anything can happen, but it, it just seems inevitable that City are going to win at this point, doesn't it? The whole treble? Yeah. Oh, boy. That would be yeah. nice to see, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be great. <laughs> for me, this is, you know, which is the lesser of two evils out of this? I'd rather, you know, it's it's the uh, the old days, like the 80s, where it ends as a draw, and everyone shakes hands and they share the cup. <laughs> that would be... No, it'll be like every bloody playoff game we've had this season so far. Go to a penalty shootout. Feels like everyone apart from Sheffield Wednesday has got to a penalty shootout. Been fantastic mm. to watch anyway. But uh, just in case you're wondering, in the league this season, City, of course, won 6-3 at the Etihad. Manchester United brought it back with a 2-1 win at Old Trafford. Score predictions for the game. It's a bit of a flick of a coin, but I assume City are the heavy favourites. 2-0 uh, City. 2-0 City. I'll go for a 4-1 Manchester City. Oof. Martial scores four own goals. No, he won't, because he wouldn't even be there. Uh, but yeah, I think it'll be a comfortable win for Manchester City. Real Madrid news, everyone. It's not confirmed yet, but French forward Karim Benzema, 35 years of age, is considering a 400 million euro, which converted into a great British pound, is a 346 million, two-year contract from an unnamed club in Saudi Arabia. Fabrizio Romano, who I would trust with telling me I was born on a different day to what I've been told for my entire 31 years on the planet, if he said different. He said it, his wage will be 100 million net plus benefits per season that is in pounds i think i oh, know sorry in euros in euros 100 million net plus benefits he'll also be an ambassador for some world cup bollocks in the future uh, apparently real madrid have had uh, kareem benzema's new deal documents ready since last year but nothing has been signed yet and off the back of that i don't know if it's off the back of that or if it's just news that broke earlier this week uh, lots of tw- uh, people on twitter lots of these you know new sources and whatnot, ITK accounts, maybe a step above the ITK account. You know what I'm saying anyway. There's, there's, hmm. The scuttlebutt is a moving because Hosselu, former Newcastle, <laughs> former Stoke, current Espanyol, I think he is, um, centre forward is going to be signing for Real Madrid is on loan for this upcoming season as a backup option. He's had a whirlwind of a year. Earlier this year, he made his Spain debut at the age of 32 and scored twice in two minutes against Norway. He's got 16 in 32 La Liga games this season. Uh, it's just, it, it's, having watched 
him for a good two years under Rafa Benitez from Newcastle. I I can't believe it. There's there's hope for everybody in life if Hoss Luton go from what he was at Newcastle into signing for Real Madrid and playing for Spain. Yeah, because when I saw the news floating about, I thought, oh, it must be a different Hossler who can't be the same one. And I clicked, I was like, oh, Christ, okay, yeah, good, good, good for you, Hossler. I don't know what he even is, though. You know how strikers, you know, Lukaku's like your target man with a bit mm. of, yeah, maybe that's a bit harsh to, to sort of narrow him down to one category. But, you know, footballers have, like, you know, characteristics about their, their persona, all that sort of, all that sort of stuff. Hossler's nothing. If it's, if it's a big, if it's, do you remember on Primo back in the day when he used to have the the, the old charts and it was like the he would go like further towards defensive if there were defenders stuff like that. If Hossler yeah. had one of those charts, everything would be the same all the way around. There would be no like attacking. There would be no like arrow going further up towards attacking. He is the most useless player I think I've ever seen play for Newcastle. So this, what they're doing in Spain to him, I've got no idea. I think they must have killed him, the real Hossler, and genetically like modified him in a lab and then gave birth to him again at the age of 32 and made him do these good things in spin that's the only re- like the only reason he can be doing these things today I mean, it, it, there must be something in the water over there because you think of Iago Aspas. Diego <laughs> Forlan. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Came to United and everyone was like, oh, who's this Michael Bolton lookalike? He's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Goes back to Spain and becomes an absolute worldie. Um yeah, Hossler. I like the fact that you said, oh, that's maybe a bit offensive to Lukaku calling him a target man and then saying that Hossler is nothing. <laughs> oh, man, when he was playing for Newcastle, I don't know what his goal, I haven't got his goal record in front of me, but he can't have scored more than two or three every single season he played for us. He was absolutely no. useless and he offered nothing off the ball. Hossler, I don't even know what he is anymore. Anyway, on to the Premier League final weekend, we might as well touch on this. It was a thrilling end of the season at the bottom of the table. Obviously, Everton uh, surviving. Very good uh, news for the City of Liverpool. Yep, uh, I actually I actually watched that game. Um, I woke up at four because obviously it was the night before, well, it was the day before a wrestling thing, and my missus uh, Sean had been on a night shift herself, so we were both just cranky. And I came downstairs like half asleep and was like, I need to watch the football. And she went, it's Everton, you don't like Everton. I was like, I need to watch it. The <laughs> Liverpool games are dead. And we had a little fight. Um, <laughs> what a game but- that was, by the way, the Liverpool game. What the hell happened there? Oh, I don't even know. I was just like looking at it on my phone, just keeping up with the score on Twitter and just giggling to myself, just going, of course, of course, Southampton <laughs> already relegated Southampton to put four past us. Um, but as for Everton, it was, they're such a weird team. My nephew is an Everton fan. My brother's an Everton fan. It, it's We're a weird city like that. Yeah. Um, and I was talking to my nephew about it and he was fully prepared for them to go down he was like ah oh, it is what it is he was kind of looking forward to some of the different aways for next season but obviously as soon as they were confirmed promoted he was made up obviously but it's every time i see their team on paper and i think they've on paper they look like a good team and then when you watch them they just they haven't really got much of an identity but at the weekend they were playing like they wanted it uh, alex awobi was boss yeah uh, the the goal that Tagore scored as well it was a goal worthy of keeping a team up and all the the local papers and stuff and all the news here is that the fans are can't and, and the players are like right we survived twice now something needs to change Mashiri's looking to sell um so there's i wouldn't say optimism but kind of like the, the seriousness of it i think has hit a lot of the fans do you think Daish is going to stay i don't know how long his contract that he signed was when he took over whenever it was earlier this season i'm not too sure cuz obviously it, <laughs> It will just be meat and potatoes, you know, 
gravy with your pudding football. No, it won't. Did you not watch Burnley in Europa League? It was a sensational time to be alive. They were playing football <laughs> like there's no tomorrow. Stephen Default and Joey Barton. Back to Dean Marnie. Up the Dean Marnie. <laughs> and it's a weird time to be Sean Dyche, I guess, because he's obviously been at Everton for less than a season or less than half a season. And mm. now, obviously, this new ownership is floating over his head. So even if they do put him in charge for the start of pre-season, let's, if the new ownership doesn't like take over in the next few weeks, he's just going to get the sack anyway, isn't he? They want the wrong man, won't they? <sighs> you, you'd think so, but... I, I, I quite like Sean Dice. Like I like said. Sean Dice as well. Yeah. <laughs> if if you know if we got rid of Klopp tomorrow and they said Sean Dice is coming into Liverpool, I'd be like, absolutely not. But still, <laughs> he, he's like the last of a dying breed, isn't he? He is. He, when when we were owned by Ashley, he was the perfect manager for Mike Ashley's Newcastle. Do it with no money whatsoever, not even a well a strong identity, but one that's very much anti football. I was taking the piss there with my Europa League stuff, um, mm. but it's I love the guy. I just, it's, he's a character, and there's not enough managers who are proper like gravel just up the gravel he's up a gra- the gravel he's a gravel he's a great he's just a lovely gravel just a lovely patch of gravel that's Sean Dyche he's bumpy he's rough he's also like a nice sturdy surface to be on he is gravel gravel's quite satisfying as well in its own weird way when you get a good crunch so, a lovely yeah. crunch of gravel that's Sean Dyche <laughs> in a, a post-match press conference um, but obviously Everton surviving that meant Leicester and Leeds went down it's quite funny what's happened to Leeds this season I can't lie to you <laughs> yeah they're, they're a bit horrible Leeds aren't they yeah. um, but for want of a better phrase they're, they're a proper club aren't they when they came back up it was like oh, Leeds are horrible but they're a proper club I'd rather have had them up than I was getting annoyed with it seemed every other season one of Norwich or West Brom were coming back up again. I was like, for God's sake, I, lads. But. I'm not sure. I know that it's a rough time for Southampton fans as well, but they over the past three, four, five years, they've been absolutely nothing then. Yeah. Teams like Watford as well. I know Watford have got like a decent enough history, but they when they get promoted, there's nothing to them. Is they? They're just there. Yeah, nothing at all. The the thing that did annoy me when I watched the highlights of the Leeds game, even though they were getting beaten at home and they'd been relegated, some of the fans getting off before the final whistle. I was like, come on, stay, 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 stay and you know, give a half-hearted clap. Don't just bugger off saying your team are crap. You've still got to watch them next season. Or just stay and throw a massive meat pie right at Fat Sam's big head. <laughs> big Sam's fat head. I don't know what the right way around for that one is, but anyway. I was going to say, fat, fat Sam's big head, isn't that a song from Bugsy Malone? I mean, <laughs> I guess it might be. Um, what else about Leeds? It's just been a, a catalogue of errors, as they like to say, isn't it, all season long? Just mm. waiting on for too long with Jesse Marsh. I don't know why he was given the job uh, permanently to begin with. I think it was a game last season where I think they got humped four by Man City at home, and he was celebrating like it was a win. I mean, as soon as that happened, I would be like, nah, you're not the manager for us, even though you played some nice football in Leipzig or whatever. Um, and then obviously after holding on for him too long, Javi Gracia comes in and it, 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 there was an upturn, I think, mm. from what they were. But then obviously then the goals start going in. And then you give Sam four games to go, with two of those being against uh, Man City and Newcastle. The Newcastle game they should have won. I've said this on this very channel before. Um, mm. But given four games, half a million quid or whatever, <laughs> with two games against two of the top four, top three at the time, it's... What? I don't get it. I think one of the things that hurt them is that the other kind of relegation battlers at the turn of the year, they went on good runs. Of, like, look at West Ham and Villa. They eventually, they looked absolutely terrible and then just, well, in the case of Villa, rocketed back up the lead, league and Leeds just couldn't. They were like, ah, oh, not not everyone can avoid relegation because then that would be weird. But um, it was just their year, I think. It was their year to go down. 
Because tell you what, I was convinced after that Newcastle draw, I did a predictions, relegation predictions video on this channel. I was like, yeah, Leeds will win their two games. They'll stay mm. up. They'll beat, they'll beat Spurs at home. Spurs are useless. Yeah. <laughs> Predicting football matches is a game for most, let me tell you. But Lucas <laughs> Moura as well. What a send-off for Lucas Moura. Turning into yeah. Prime Messi to zigzag <laughs> through the Leeds defence. That resilient Leeds back line. That tight Leeds back line that's always been very, very porous all season. <laughs> Lucas Moura turning into Prime Messi. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the goal? It was sensational. It was lovely. It was lovely. I I, uh, I, I actually was surprised that Tottenham scored more than one because I saw someone saying that. You know for a fact that Harry Kane's going to break Shearer's uh, record by always scoring the one in a 6-1 defeat. <laughs> <laughs> he scored 30 goals this season. That's a hell of a goals against Colum if you're getting one every 6-0 defeat. He's got to leave then this season though, surely. Yeah, He's got yeah. to. Anywhere could, could, will do. I was going to say, could he be Chelsea's um, striker? Oh, that's a saucy prospect, that. Mm. Those Spurs fans will go mental. Yeah. What will they do? I don't know what they do down there when they go mental. Oh, they'll probably go, oh, at least it's not Arsenal. And then them <laughs> <laughs> Arsenal and Spurs fans will be bickering. It's like, lads, just focus on your own club. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but where do you think you'll go? If, you had to, if I had to point a gun at your face right now through this webcam and uh, ask you a question, where's Harry Kane going to go, Jack? And one answer and one answer only. Where are you, where are you putting him? Manchester United. Same. Yeah. I want him to go. He, I want him to he go just abroad, screams, me. doesn't he? Yeah, he just screams Man United. Why, where's Bayern Munich? Forget about Declan Rice, Bayern Munich. Forget it. You don't need him. You need Harry Kane, prime <laughs> centre forward. He's great age, 29 <laughs> years of age. He'll break all your records, but most importantly, he won't break Shearer's score scoring record in the Premier League. That's all we've got now. That's all we've got. Can, um, can, you, but, can you imagine Harry Kane learning German now? That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> You shouldn't take the, 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 the piss out of someone's speech impediment, but that would be quite funny, wouldn't it? That massive lisp he's got. I mean, it says, says me who can, who can speak English only, so, you I'm, know, I'm in no position. I can't even speak English properly, so there we go. I mm. don't know. But what's that thing he keeps saying at the start of every sentence that I've forgotten off the top of my head right now? Harry Kane. He always he starts every single sentence with the same word. It's, it's, it's lost now. The bit's gone. Um, <laughs> Villa, as we said earlier, they're back in Europe. I guess that was the final thing to get sewn up on the final uh, weekend of the season. That's uh, an astonishing job he's done, Mr. Emery. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, we'll come on to Emery in a bit. I'll, I'll save my thoughts for later in this podcast. But what a turnaround. Absolutely. Just brilliant. Steve Gerrard in the mud. Yeah, unfortunately so. Because <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, when um, Eddie Howe took over Newcastle, I was like, no, I want Gerrard. I'd watched their journey to the Europa League final, obviously getting back and winning the league off Celtic for the first time in however many mm. years. I was like, he seems to cultivate like a, a proper atmosphere within a club, everyone pulling the same direction. Quite like Liverpool and Newcastle in, in terms of all that sort of, you know, all that sort of mm. stuff going in the right direction. And I was like, nah, not Eddie Howe. He's, his team's conceded loads of goals. He's, he's a bit wishy-washy in Eddie Howe. He's a bit too, bit too meh. I want Gerard. But look what's happened. I know nothing about football. You might as well stop listening to this podcast right now. <laughs> Are your managerial predictions as good as your match predictions? <laughs> Quite obviously so. But it yeah. is. Has Gerard even come close to resurfacing? Yeah, I remember reading a few months ago he was on the brink of going to Turkey or something, was it? Yeah, they had something like that. Because the great hope, obviously, from Liverpool fans, we wanted to return to the boot room. We thought, all right, Gerard, he's done well at Rangers. Give him, you know, a lower a lower table club. Build up his style, build up his experience, and then one day, welcome home, Stevie. And he's farted it um, for the time <laughs> being, at least. So, because even know, though, like Emery, I guess is you know, when you think of Emery, you think of defensive, you think of big European away days. You know, Villarreal doing wonders there, Sevilla back mm. in the day. Um, but the way he's turned Villa around in terms of like an attacking force as well, it's been it's been weird to see. 
we played them not too long ago and there was periods of time when I thought, oh, they're going to batter us here. Um, yeah, because my mind's obviously terrible. My memory's terrible. I'm getting on a bit. I've taken a lot of blunt force trauma to the head over the years. <laughs> Whenabouts was it? Was it after the January window that they got Emery? Just before, I think. It was I think it was about November, yeah. Just before yeah. the World Cup, maybe. Okay. Because I'm trying Could to think if they, made, if they made any signings, but... If he hasn't, or if he's made limited signings, the fact that he's managed to turn them around and get that core of players playing, it's fantastic. They signed a left-back to replace Luca Digne. That's, I remember the Lopez, yes. that's one sign they definitely made in January. So yeah. it's just it's been amazing to see what he did then. I guess where they're going to be this time next year. Obviously, European football is going to maybe you know, scupper the league if they don't recruit right in the summer. I assume yeah. their squad might be quite similar to Newcastle's. I don't mean to keep comparing things to Newcastle, but we've always got a European campaign now as well, and we've still got the likes of Jacob Murphy, for example. <laughs> as, as hard-working as he is and honest as he is and a lovely smile and all that sort of stuff, a little bit of, little bit of the football bounce on the pitch that he's got, he's not a good, not a good player. He's... <laughs> <laughs> he's got everything else but in terms of being you know, a player you want when you're challenging for Champions League spots and being in the Champions League he's not that he's not that, not that standard so I assume Villa will be very much the same in terms of what their squad makeup's like yeah because that's the, the one thing the positive again like you say you talk about Newcastle I talk about Liverpool there are teams who are obviously going to fall back on them uh, one of the the way we've been trying to turn it into a positive being in the Europa League which is fine it's the only uh, cup we've not won under Jürgen Klopp um because we've got this, we've had such a big squad. It's been decimated by injuries, but because we've got such a big squad, we're just like, okay, if Keevan Kelleher stays, we we can play him in the Europa League, get him more experience, try and find some more form for Joe Gomez, which has disappeared off a cliff. What was he and- doing for that goal, by the way? He was sprinting the other way when the guy was the, the number twenty for Southampton who scored the the little bender on from the edge of the box. He yeah, was fully it, running the other way. I didn't get what he was doing. It's <laughs> like it's like the came over the tannoy and said, "Ladies and gentlemen." the buffet's now open he was like oh Sam see you later <laughs> but yeah and, and going back to it in terms of our squad we're seeing it as right we've got enough players there that we could play two games a week and be okay but like you're saying about Newcastle you'll have to invest in that Villa to a degree will have to invest as well so yeah uh, moving on from the Premier League obviously we go down with the Championship and did you know that Luton Town's away end is in a mystical chocolate factory which was littered with little orange people Oh, that's fantastic. I always heard that their away end was uh, a secret underwater uh, supervillain space. Wow, it's yeah. amazing. We'll have to go and travel there and see what it's like for ourselves. Uh, Luton Town are in the Premier League, everybody. Uh, it started off horribly for them, obviously, with their captain, Tom Lockyer, uh, mm. collapsing after just eight minutes, which was horrible to see, just sort of off the corner of the, the screen there. But it was wonderful to see the pictures at full time. I think someone captured the moment the full time whistle went, and he's just there celebrating in his hospital bed. As of Tuesday, he's still in hospital. So hopefully, every, everything seems to be quite positive that you read and whatnot. So hopefully, he makes a full recovery. Uh, but Luton, yeah, they're back in the Premier or the top division I should say for the first time since 1992 a wonderful way to go up well I don't know if it is actually a wonderful way for the neutral to, to see them go up I guess with a, the nail biter of a penalty shootout win um, yeah. but obviously thoughts are with uh, Fancati Darbo I think is how he pronounce his name I do apologise Mr Darbo who took the last penalty for Coventry skied it over the bar and then a few days later he was released I know the two things aren't related whatsoever he signed a contract but it is just like in the same week to miss like yeah. the biggest penalty of the season that's worth 180 200 million pound to your club and then to get released as well that's a that's a that's a that's a bad week at work <laughs> yeah it's not the best is it but uh in terms of Luton one of my mates uh, husband's a Luton Town fan 
and he's buzzing as you'd imagine he's probably been on the aisle ever since um i don't have any great hope that they'll stay up next season but i'm sure if you ask most of the fans obviously they'll, they'll want to stay up but it's all about the ride for them isn't it they're probably just ecstatic they're going to get a 1-0 win on the opening day. Someone's, someone big is going there on the opening day and they're going to get a 1-0 win on Luton. They're going to be shocked by the surroundings. Yeah, someone like yeah. New, maybe Newcastle since everyone hates us now. Uh, someone like that is going to go there <laughs> to Kellerworth Road and get beat. But that's if Kellerworth Road's ready because I was reading the other day that currently as things stand, the ground isn't suitable or capable or allowed to host Premier League football because you need to have so many cameras in the ground and they physically can't do it with the space oh, wow. and facilities available. So that 10 million quid that they've apparently now got to spend on the ground to get it Premier League ready includes that as well. So will they get it done for the opening day of the season? Because I saw there was a, a possibility that they could postpone like their home game starting to just have them play like the first two or three, whatever, away from yeah. home, which isn't ideal when you're looting. Obviously, you want people going to Kellenworth Road and being that their arse is dropping by the... the the, the, the wooden benches in the dressing rooms, my goodness. A solitary <laughs> peg on the wall, I could never. Uh, that sort of thing just giving them the advantage to you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I think was it when our when Liverpool's main stand was redeveloped, we had a couple of last bits, so I think we asked that, that season that our first three home games be postponed, so it was just all on the road. But again, L- Liverpool probably have a bit more sway than Luton, so I hope they can get everything sorted. Yeah, because it's, it's 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 the lovely underdog story, isn't it? We we do love an underdog story. The only thing that's annoyed me is the amount of teams from London and London adjacent. Now it's like bloody hell. <laughs> it is. It's, we need to get more northern teams, don't we? Forget about it. Just invent new northern teams. Forget about the ones that already exist. Your Sunderlands, your Middlesbroughs, and whatnot. Get some new blood. That's what I say. Up the gate, said. <laughs> <laughs> That new team I've just invented. What the hell was that? I don't know. <laughs> I, just, I, I was going to say they're not a new team, but just get black Spartans in the Premier League somehow <laughs> by hook or by crook. Playing Dan Burn up front like he did when he was a Bairn. Um What was I going to say about Luton? Did, did he watch the playoff final at all? Did you see it? No, no. I, I saw the obviously keeping up with it on Twitter and seeing highlights, and it was a it was a busy weekend. It was a busy weekend of football. It was a busy weekend of life, and of course on Saturday. I I went out and bought some underbed storage from John Lewis. So that was that was me in the morning. From yeah, John Lewis, someone is living well. Well, what can I say? But I tell you what. Another thing about Luton, I can't wait to see in the Premier League is just the fact that Rob Jones, the uh, sorry Rob Edwards, the manager, has kept things exactly the same in terms of tactics and whatnot, and team identity and team shape and all that kind of stuff. The same mm. as it was under Nathan Jones. Mm. I was the the top of the European leagues of different facets of football so I was Nathan Jones so every every single time they attack they just hoof it long and I can't wait to see that sort of thing in Premier League obviously Big Sam has the reputation of doing that I guess Daesh has to a certain extent as well but yeah. this is like what Big Sam was in the 90s Proper. this is like alehouse isn't it oh yeah. this is uh, your ticky tackers and whatnot you can shove it up your asses because this is where football <laughs> is um, and I guess that's all the big news cover from the weekend or the week in, in the football I can't think of anything else that's, that's massively happened I'm sure there's a massive thing we're forgetting because we're old men <laughs> we, we, we are old men when you were saying before about Benzema is 35 and considering 400 million I turned 35 this year I'd love a 400 million euro two year contract from Saudi Arabia that'd be brilliant sadly I can only give you I was about to say something rude there. I won't bother. A hot dog. I can offer you one hot dog. I'll have a hot dog. He'll have a hot dog. Good Mm. news. We move on now to our highlight of the week. Graphics incoming. It's been a busy week in the wrestling, so no editors are available to do any sort of bollocks. Um, Jack Atkins, you can go first with yours this week if you like. 
Um, yeah, you probably would have seen uh, the Coventry fan absolutely giving it the bifters when they scored in the playoffs. I need to see uh, an impersonation from you right now. Yeah, if, if you're listening out there and not watching, yeah, it wasn't much better, trust me. Uh, and then someone next to him t- t- trying to take a picture and telling him to F off. And I love the fact that it was just modern football in like 30 frames of video. It was superb. Um, and yeah, you know, it, it reminds me of years ago, I was at a music festival and someone was trying to film one of the bands and swore at me as I walked past them. And obviously I told them where to go. Um he, yeah, he was just, like I said, giving it the bifters. His team had just scored. Playoff final, massive occasion. Someone else was thinking, oh, do it for the gram. It's like, piss off. Don't yeah. be stupid. Live yeah. in the moment, you tourist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you dirty Ooh. tourist. It's, it's, it's being filmed, you know. You can watch it on TV later. Don't worry. Oh. But they won't get this angle, Jackins. I can't find my fo- My phone's over here, right? <laughs> this angle that we see from every single one of these football vloggers. <laughs> In case you're listening once again, I've realised this is an audio podcast for some. I was doing that thing where the football vloggers, when they're celebrating a goal or just conceded a goal, obviously hold the phone in front of their faces and then pull the most exaggerated facial expression you've ever seen since, I don't know, you've been to a rave in 1993 and seen people who have treble dropped the cowies. <laughs> it's just so, yeah, it's, it's again, we're talking as a... We're fast becoming elder statesmen, um, but it's Bones just... weren't even invented when I started going to football. Like when I was going to, when I first started going to football, I'm not even sure if they still go to Anfield. But there used to be a fellow with one of those old school wooden rattles still going in the game. It Which was amazing. Club? There's a club who's is it Norwich who give them out and they're, they're giving it the big one with the rattlers. I'm sure oh, it's what? Norwich. Or is it West Brom? It sounds very Norwich. Yeah, they're weird from down there, aren't they? Weird part of the country. If you're from Norwich, let us know. We'll love to hear from you. If you've got internet. I don't know if they do, do they? <laughs> they might not. <laughs> they've got Alan Partridge and Mustard. That's what they've got. That's all you need, to be fair. Anyway, my highlight of the week is Sheffield Wednesday's last kick of the game winner in the playoff final against Barnsley. I'm very sorry if you're a Barnsleyite. I guess they call them that. Because you're mm. a Sheffield Wednesday, aren't you? Oh, Yorkshire. Oh, Steel. Oh. You're an owl. You're an oh, owl. That's oh, what you are. Twit uh, Josh Winder scored the winner in stoppage time. Obviously, a header where the keeper got a hand to it. Agonisingly so. Barnsley went down to 10 men, but that I watched that game as well. That seemed to make him a bit better going down to 10 men. They had more mm. chances. The Barnsley goalkeeper was making one hell of like he made a couple of outrageous saves it was like a really good game to watch but then Dean Windass' son Josh he used to play for Rangers and other teams like that he got a goal which was clocked officially at 120 plus 3 minutes um, on, the, on the scoreboard which is as late as you can get and obviously his dad Dean as I mentioned there did the same well not quite the same but he scored that wonderful volley for Hull in the playoff final back in 2008 I guess is there comparisons between Hull and Luton? I guess there might be, because Hull weren't ready for that, were they? But then they got Giovanni and everything was fine. <laughs> yeah, it was it, it was weird, that little bit of uh, Hull's history. But going back to Sheffield Wednesday, I was talking about my dad with it, and we both said the same thing. One of my mates in school, his dad was from Sheffield. Big Wednesday fan. Has the, I won't give his full license plate, but he has the license plate for his car. Initial number, Owl. 
And we were just like, we were just like, oh, I wonder how he's doing right now. So um, I've always had a soft spot for Sheffield. If you ever said to me, are you an owl or a blade? I'll, I'll spit on a Sheffield United shirt, I will. But... <laughs> I'm just getting it in my ear right now, actually, how he's doing it. It turns out he died last week. He couldn't take any more. Oh. He had a, a massive session and that saw him off, as that sort of win would do. Imagine that, though, a senior team at Wembley score 120 plus three minutes into a game. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't be able to take it. My undies would be very brown by then. <laughs> ooh, ooh, yeah. ooh. But it was nice to see Dean uh, Windass as well uh, doing a little video in his car where he's just like, I woke up at 5.30am. What's that lad from uh, Mike Bassett called? The one who's Gaza? He t- told me like, oh, oh, oh. Yes. Uh... I forget his name. Everyone at home knows the name anyway. Yeah, but he yeah. sat there and he's going, I woke up at 5.30am and I just knew he was going to score. I couldn't be proud. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I, the more I do that, the more I sound like Mel B from uh, Bo Selector. But uh, <laughs> it was just nice to see that moment. Obviously, father and son doing, you know, relatively the same thing yeah. at Wembley. I thought it was a nice moment there for the highlight of the week. And it, now it, we go from... Sorry, go on. I was going to say, yes, definitely a, hi- a highlight of the week. But again, when, when I saw Windass at first, the first thing I thought was, Dee Windass is getting on a bit, isn't he? To be <laughs> he was 75 back in 2008 with his white hair, never mind now. Um, but we move from highlight of the week, of course, to twat of the week. I'll bring mine to the table first. I've just thought of one there. It's got to be Allardyce. Big old Samuel Aladici. When he arrives at Leeds, he's like, eh, no one's better than me. No one knows more football than Sam Allardyce. And then he does nothing and Leeds go down. So that, for me, is just because the Leeds relegation happened this week, they had a chance to stay up, but they didn't. It might not be Sam's fault. I was saying earlier, they didn't give him really a fair crack at the old whip. But it is funny, because obviously as a Newcastle fan, it's Allardyce. He's so far up his own arse, you can see out his own mouth. It was nice to see him get humbled. <laughs> yeah, it, it is always funny to see uh, Big Sam eat a bit of humble pie. And even Simon Jordan, was it Simon Jordan I was listening to? Speaking about his ego, like he would never take a job in the championship, because obviously people are wondering who's going to take over at Leeds. I see Brendan Rodgers yeah. is in the running, which would be astonishing to see him as Leeds manager in the championship. But obviously people were saying Allardyce was down there with West Ham, obviously, you know, Bolton a decade before that. Yeah. Um, um, could he be the one to stay there? And just people were saying, no, his, his ego is that big now. He's never going to take a job in the championship. No, because he, he legitimately thinks that he's one of the best managers of all time. <laughs> he's probably one of those that he looks at his TV and says, if I'm so crap, I'll come have managed these 55 teams. <laughs> the only reason, well, he, he, he's going to say it, isn't he? He's England's most successful manager of all time. A 100% win record. Only England manager to do it me with me pint of wine and gravy side boat. <laughs> Oh, I hate him. Anyway, your twat of the week, Jarkins, throw it at me. It's uh, it's Bernardo Silva. <laughs> Every bloody week. He's got a dog called John. He's a nice, wholesome boy. Now, my, my twat of the week, and it, twat's a bit harsh of a word, but it's Borussia Dortmund manager, Edin Turchik. <laughs> what happened oh. to him this week, Jarkins? <laughs> he, he pooed the bed. He pooed it. He had a golden opportunity to end a decade of Bayern Munich dominance. All he needed was a win. All he had to do was win. So he benched Marco Royce and Jude Bellingham. What are you doing? It's 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 not like he was thinking, oh, we've got a cup final next week. I better bench them. Now, this is the biggest match of your season. One of the biggest matches for you as a decade. And it was just, he gave it to him on the silver platter. Like I said, it's it's not a twat as in, he's a twat more. Just like, oh, you silly twat. You silly he, sod, you. Yeah, he's, he's a young manager. A lot of the Dortmund fans are still... The made up, um, he's a lifelong Dortmund fan. They believe in the project, but 
he bottled it. And I hate, I hate the the thing around bottling now because of Twitter football fans and, oh, bottle job and blah, 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 blah. But they did I, bottle I did, it, though. <laughs> they did, yeah. And on a human level, I felt, I felt sorry for him because he looked absolutely knackered. And this is less about him bottling it. I'm just salty about the state of the Continental game. I'm not a Bayern Munich hater. I've, you know, I quite like Bayern Munich, but it's, is that 11 on the bounce now? Yeah, it's something, it must be like you, you think of them, you think obviously the, the Monopoly and La Liga were the same two teams every year. Scotland, mm. I guess you could throw in there as well, obviously with Celtic yeah. and Rangers, more so Celtic over the past decade. Uh, where else is there in Europe? Other European countries? I guess France is a bit, well, no, it's not actually. Ross, I was about to say France is a bit more open, isn't it? But it's not. But Lille, not didn't, Lille won it last year, didn't they? The year before? So uh, a little, one of them, yeah, but yeah. That, that was just like. A blip in the otherwise <laughs> uh, dominant run of PSG. I mean, the Finnish league is uh, to, that's the biggest joke. I mean, <laughs> I've said that without knowing anything about Finnish football. <laughs> yeah, then I was just like, do go on. I know Yari Lippmanen. I know Anti Niemi. <laughs> Sammy Hippie, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> Two Liverpool greats. Timo there. Puki, there you go. There's a more modern one for you. <laughs> yeah. But it's, and uh, I was seeing things this week. Like, uh, the thing I don't get about Dortmund, obviously, they are. They're great at developing players and then they sell the players for a ton of money and then bring in the next batch. Why did they always sell to Bayern Munich? No, I don't know. That's what I don't get. I wouldn't be surprised if Bayern Munich were just like, oh, we've signed Bellingham, by the way. And it's like, oh, fantastic. <laughs> he's apparently all sight last for Fabrizio again on social media this week saying that he's just, it's done. Him to Madrid's done. Everything's finalised. He's just waiting for the final dots of the I's and crosses the T's. Great. How does that feel as a Liverpool fan watching your team seemingly for the past year? Put all of their eggs in a Jude Shelling, a Jude Shellingham. Oh my God! There you go. There's an egg pun for you, I guess. A Jude Bellingham shaped <laughs> basket. He's up. <laughs> Jude Shellingham. A Jude Bellingham shaped basket. Only so you're not saying Jude Bellingham. It was very annoying. Obviously, um, like if it was only fan chatter saying, "Oh, we should sign Bellingham," blah blah blah. That'd be one thing. But all indications from the club and from everything and from all the PR that was spun out of it, it was like, "Don't worry." We'll get you. Look, there he is. There he is on a on a tandem bike with Trent Alexander-Arnold. There he is on a merry-go-round of Jordan Henderson. And it's like, oh, okay, we've thrown away the, we've thrown away the league for nothing. Okay, superb. It's interesting because was he actually just dropped for the game? Because I thought because when I flicked on because like over here in the UK you can sometimes watch it live on YouTube. The Bundesliga put up the games mm. as it's going on, and I flicked it on and it was two 0 to Mines. And they were having some sort of, I don't know if there was just an injury going on, but they were having some sort of little water break. And Bellingham was the one hounding out the bottles. I was like, oh, he must be injured or suspended. Did they actually drop him? Because that is astonishing if they did. It looked like it because he, he was on the bench. He, yeah. he was a named substitute, but didn't get on the pitch at all. Protect, like, protecting their investment, I think, there, aren't they? No no injury just before the big move. Well, they, they deserve nothing then if that's how they're <laughs> going to play it. But yeah, it was just one of those that looked at it and just went, oh, f- yeah. yeah. But uh, there's our two nominations for Twat of the Week. Let us know via many different means. Carry a pigeon from there upwards. Uh, who is the biggest Twat of the Week? And if you have someone different, stick that in the comments down below as well. But now, Jack Atkins, we have a, the debut of a new segment. It's called the Mail Bag. Ooh. Should we call it the Onion Bag? Oh, yes. yes. Revert the Mail Bag Baggio. Oh, 
Oh, <laughs> onion bag, onion bag. <laughs> it's time for the onion bag. Right, if you want to email in and answer, we'll answer us, us to esteemed football brains, we'll answer your questions. It's uh, Ross at hold and give all at no dot com. I know that infuriates a lot of people when I do that, but I've done it anyway. Anyway, that's the address to get in contact if you want to. We'll start off. Hi, Ross. As an American EPL fan, it's kind of tough for me to make it over to England to see a game in person. My question is a simple one. What is the stadium experience like at St. James's Park for a Newcastle game? I obviously open this up to an Anfield experience for a Liverpool fan. Do you go to the team store ahead of a game, a pub with other fans before and then walk into the stadium together, get any food and drinks during the game or at half-time? Just curious as to what the game day experience is like there. Love the channel and content so far. The pilot podcast was great. You see, you see, you see. Uh, keep up the good work. And even though I'm a, Man- I'm a Manchester United fan, oh, it was going so well. I love hearing your perspective on the league from a Newcastle point of view. Thanks from Andrew. Andrew, thank you for your email. It depends if it's a weekday or a week or a weekend game. Your weeknight mm. game. So like a Tuesday, Wednesday, Monday, whatever whatever day it's on. You finish work as you do, 5.30, you then go for a tea. Now this season, the regular horn has become pizza punks in Newcastle because every time me and my group of pals, it's like five of us who go together, six of us who go together, um, every time we've beaten pizza punks then to a pub, then to the match, we've won. So it's pizza punks now, that's a football tea. You have your pizza punks with a couple of beers, you then go to a bar. I'm not going to name the bars. I don't want to be bothered by strangers. No offence, everybody. You then have a, <laughs> anywhere between three and five or six pints before heading to St. James's Park. Now, I've been sitting in level seven this season, and that is 14 flights of stairs. It's a long way up, let me tell you. A long way up. It's the very tippy-top of St. James's Park. So when you've had a, a pizza and a belly full of beer... You're out of breath, so you need to get up there with about 15 minutes to go before kickoff. You then quickly squeeze in a bottle of fresh, cold carling in a plastic bottle. Squeeze it down because it's one of those like squeezy plastic bottles. It's a very weird sensation, but you nail that. And then five <laughs> minutes before kickoff, you then walk out to your seat, sweat on the brow, and then just cool down for the first 15 minutes of the game because of the walk up the stairs to the ground for a weekend game. Don't do the meal. Replace the meal with a pub. Rinse and repeat. That's my match day ritual. And then it depends what you're doing afterwards as well. Are you going straight home? Like I'm a sort of 20 minute walk from St. James's Park. So I can't just walk straight home. Or it's a big night out with a big victory or a disappointing 1-1 home draw against West Ham like we had this season. <laughs> but that's my match day experience. There's no... like I, to, to be honest, I went to the, 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 the stadium shop for the first time in what... 13 years maybe something like that mm. uh, last Friday I had a day off day off work last Friday there's a 70% sale on went and got myself a shirt I was meant to wear it for this podcast but I forgot but I that's the first time I've been in the stadium shop for a long old time so there's my match day experience what's, what's yours like Jackins at, at the Liverpool Liverpool um, obviously I'm, I'm not a drinker um, so what I usually do is me and my mate will meet up somewhere and we'll, it's, it's a long walk we usually do. And we'll just walk, we'll chat, we'll catch up. Sounds lovely, doesn't it? Um, there's a community pie shop just outside of oh, yes. the ground called Home Baked. And it's got a pie window as well. So you get there early, you get a scouse pie, you get loads of brown sauce on it, and you gobble it up with a little wooden fork. Doesn't matter what time the match is. It could be, I don't know, half eight in the morning kickoff. Let's let's pick a time that doesn't exist. <laughs> you get in a pie, you head into the ground. You know, usually my mates will get a, you know, a pint. I'll go for a big wee. Uh, to the seats, um, whenever I get to, I've, I sit in wherever I can get a ticket, basically. Usually the ones I get hold of the most are the tickets in the cop, lower in the cop. Um, 
half time again pints if it's cold i'll have a cup of tea i've been in <laughs> i've been in the cop when it's snowing before it was a miserable experience but still <laughs> um, to me i should say I, I get nothing at half time that's a rule of mine just no half time drinks i like the half time entertainment on the pitch it's in james's i don't know what to do at anfield but it's in james's park this season had been like back in my day when i had a season ticket like when alan pardy was manager you know those big like are they called uh, Oh, what they call the big footballs that you put on yourself and then you play football. Yes. There was yeah. like giant those then that like your whole body goes in and you're like a hamster inside of a wheel. They used to do races, like they get one away fan and one home fan, put them in these massive blow up balls and make them run to one end of the pitch, then back to the other end, and that was the half time entertainment. Great times. But this season they do this thing where they, they sort of cordon off the bottom half of the goal with a big, you know, thing that block the balls going in. And then the goal the aim of the game is it's like five shots you take from different distances and you have to get the ball in, hitting the back of the net without bouncing. It's not okay. as good as it used to be, but that's that's no. what I do. I watch the half time entertainment. <laughs> well, yeah, I went to the Fulham game a couple of a couple of weeks back and it was one of the youth teams I think had won something. So it was all basically just like little kids and everyone just clapped them and gave them a little lap of honour. We do nice stuff like that, and you know, um, I think we've had, I think I've seen like the Liverpool blind team play at like halftime and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's 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 nice. Different strokes, different strokes yeah. for halftime entertainment. But yeah. There we go, Andrew. I hope that answers your question <laughs> as to what the match day experience is like in Ingerland. Right, next question. There were always rumours in brackets back in the day that Manchester United was going to sign Alan Shearer in the nineties and Chelsea were going to sign Steven Gerrard in the noughties. So my question is. What is the greatest what if in Premier League history? Lloyd Williams. Thank you, Lloyd, for your thought provoking question. Mm. Go on, then. The big one for us, because obviously every good player we were linked with at one point. The, the, the rumours were we were going to sign Cristiano Ronaldo, but he chose Man United and stuff like that. But the big one that wouldn't go away and it would have been brilliant, we're talking 2009. Rafa Benitez, we're talking Fernando Torres, we're talking Steven Gerrard, and almost David Villa. Oh. And that would have been incredible. There was always rumours that we were in for Villa, definitely, and maybe David Silva. And if we would have got them, I think we would have won the lot. But it <laughs> didn't happen. He was always a, a master of the dark arts, wasn't he, David Villa, with his little soul patch? He, always struck, he struck me, even though he wasn't, he just struck mm. me as an evil man. It was... This is... <laughs> A bit of a tangent, but um, I, I lived in Toronto for a couple of years and I somehow became mates with the Toronto FC fullback. Um, hey, what's so his name? My mind's just gone blank. It's Alfonso it's, Davies, I think. You no, know, it wasn't Alfonso <laughs> Davies. Uh, it was Josh. Oh, but he was he was from, he, he used to play for Columbus Crew, ended up being captain for Columbus Crew. Um, the shop I worked in, I worked in a a wanky fashion shop and he was one of my customers got talking about football and he'd sort out free tickets for us and one of the games I got to was Toronto FC versus New York City and everyone was just there to see Perlo but for some reason David Vita got on the pitch and every time he touched the ball he just got a torrent of abuse and I was just there <laughs> just like why do all these polite Canadians hate David Vita so yeah it must be the evil soul patch that's what it is you can't trust a man with a soul patch and especially mm. with the much grease in his hair that he used to wear as well That's that's it's the combo of those two things that strikes you that you've got an evil person and you missed he, he, he was a uh... He was an evil man. And the player, I've just had to Google it, it was Josh Williams, played for Columbus Crew. And he was lovely. Is he still he was playing a really nice fella. He is... He's still playing. He still plays for Columbus Crew. Wow. Up the Columbus yeah. Crew. Up the Columbus Crew. Maybe if you're an American listening, how would you determine who your like, 
MLS team is. I think because I've not got one. I guess yours is Toronto by default Mine, by living there. Yeah, that, that, that's it. It was it was a um, it was a culture shock going to an MLS game. Yeah, it was really really weird. Why? <laughs> so it was the day right. It was this match in particular was the day of the 2015 2016 Europa League final, which Liverpool lost. But because of the time difference being five hours behind, we'd lost the Europa League final by about half two in the afternoon. So I was like, oh, fantastic, great. I go to the um, Toronto FC game. I've taken one of my mates with us who's uh, a Rangers fan. So he's used to the old firm. I'm used to the the Premier League. (laughs) I'm sitting next to a literal baby. And the mother of the baby has a glass of wine. People are getting a glass. Pint can, a glass of wine. People are getting chicken parmigiano and pint cans delivered to their seats, and we're just going. This is weird. There was like fireworks going off, and there, there was a weird terrace that the way the Toronto Stadium was. I think it held about, I want to say about twenty thousand, but it was one. The lengthways terraces, the long terraces, they're both massive. One of the ones behind the goal was basically nothing. It was like a weird little concourse. And on the other side, the other one behind the other goal was where all the Toronto Ultras were, just with drums and setting off flares and going <laughs> mad. I was like, I need to be in there. But it was just, it was an odd, odd experience. should say, for context, for American fans who aren't aware, as English fans, you, first of all, you served every single alcoholic item in a plastic glass or bottle whatever nothing's glass mm. and second of all you're not allowed to take any alcoholic things out onto the onto the stand so you have to drink mm. it in the concourse as quick as you can then get out on the stand and just have a, a gassy belly and if it's if it's uh, European it can be a dry bar sometimes as well can't it it can be a dry bar yeah. sometimes what a different responsible world they live in mm. hey why, why, why do we have to be littered with louts over here in the UK that take things too far but it's weird you know it's it, it could be in. It would never be in Wembley Stadium. But say if they put rugby on in Wembley Stadium, oh yeah, you, you can have a pint in your seat. Weird. Yeah, Tory yeah, farmers, yeah. disgusting. Yeah. Anyway, what if to you, uh, your what if biggest what if? Oh well, as a Newcastle fan, it goes back to the the age old tale, which I don't know if it's true or not, but everyone around here seems to believe it's true. Is that we had a choice one summer of signing either Hugo Viana, which we did, or another Portuguese starlet at the time. Cristiano Ronaldo and of course we chose uh, Viana because at the time I forget which award he'd won it was some sort of European young player of the year he won that ahead of Ronaldo so we went and signed him he was alright but he wasn't that good and obviously Ronaldo went on to become what he was so before Man United signed him there was the rumour that he could have come to Newcastle as a whole Premier League thing um, I'm trying to think maybe what if Liverpool didn't bottle it that year what might have yeah. been I guess that's a big one with Dwight Gale and all that sort of stuff sorry to say that name I know it causes shivers to go down your spine I don't know why that Dwight Gale became Marco Van Basten every time he played Liverpool. It was ridiculous. <laughs> I was terrified of the man. <laughs> I try to think of more general Premier League what ifs. I guess what if Newcastle didn't blow the league that year? Twelve points mm. ahead, ninety-five, six, I think it was off the top of my head. Um, any more general Premier League ones from yourself? No, because you, you just got me thinking about Dwight Gale. I tell you what, I tell you what, down my spine. I tell you what, Lloyd, we'll do that as a proper standalone video. We'll come back with some research and do what is the biggest what if in the Premier League history. That's just, that's what we should do as upstanding citizens of the podcast game. So that was the mailbag. Yeah. Thank you for uh, mailing in your mails and your onions and whatnot. Your Robagio Van. I've just tried to say Robagio Van Basten. Then I'm just thinking Marco Van Basten. Then <laughs> your mailbag baggios, all that sort of stuff. It's Ross at holdinggift.com if you want to get involved in next week's. But now we end with the title of this here podcast: Our Premier League End of Season Awards. We'll start Jack Atkins with the Manager of the Year. Who you've got? 
mentioned them before, Unai Emery. Oh, I've gone for it. Yeah, like I said, I, I thought Gerard would do well at Villa. I thought he'll get them to a respectable, you know, mid-table. Um, and I, Emery clearly had something to prove. Came straight in. You know, people were doing the, you know, the jokes about the way he. I'm not going to say it because it's taking the piss out of someone who's speaking in a second language. But we know the jokes. Um, I didn't, never would have thought Villa would end up in Europe. No, we have, like we touched on it before, but the way he's turned that team around, it's fantastic. Uh, I don't know if it'll be a second season hangover, but you know, best of luck to him. Yeah, it's 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 been good to see because obviously he came into Arsenal with a big reputation. I know things didn't go too well at Paris Saint Germain for him, but who mm. does it go well for these days? Eh, yeah. nobody. Um, yeah. So he's coming and just showing the form he did in, in Spain and whatnot. It's been nice to see. I've gone for Eddie Howe for obvious reasons. Where Newcastle were last season compared to where they are, where certain players are then compared to now, and just the fact, obviously, as I said earlier, he had the reputation of being a manager who couldn't like coach defensive teams and set up a shape and whatnot and then he's ended the season as Newcastle with the joint best defence with Manchester City in the entire league and as a Newcastle fan living through my eras of football the Bobby Robson era was the first one couldn't keep a clean sheet for Toffee back then and it's been the same throughout my entire existence as a Newcastle fan to see that has been astonishing and just yeah the job he's done to get us in the top four two years at least ahead of schedule you'd probably say with the because as he said yeah. the, the hope was just to improve maybe top 10, maybe top 8, something like that, and to, to be solidly in the top 3 up until the last week or 2 of the season has been astonishing. So mine's Eddie Howe. Yeah, no qualms of that at all. I, I was wondering when you signed him, I think I said it, I'm not sure if I had the conversation with you, but I had it with our good friend Aidan Gibbons mm. saying, I wondered if he'd be your Brendan Rodgers, like he was for Liverpool, where he'd take you so far, build the team, and then the, mag- the owners have to go, right, we need... Whoever's on the level of, you know, Ancelotti, etc. But I think he's proven he's beyond we'll that already. I think. Imagine reckon, him yeah? with like a, a more fuller squad. I guess is the way to mm. put it. Um, so I c- yeah, I, c- I can't believe Anthony Gordon scored at the weekend. I know. Finally, finally did something. <laughs> at least he said the same thing in the press conference. At least he he's aware of that. He's done sweet bugger all since he signed for us. For let's repeat it, forty five million pounds. Yes. Ah. Anyway, player of the year. This is an obvious one, is it not? Well, I've I've put you go first, actually. Yeah, I'll go for ha ah ah ha ha la ah no duh at uh, Harland. It's uh, it, uh yeah, he's broke the record. Uh, thirty six goals. Uh, good for him. <laughs> yep, yep. He's uh, I'm in two minds about it. Obviously, because obviously <laughs> watching Man City just decimate everyone. I'm just like, oh, the league's gone. The league's gone. But I think it's going to be one of those that in 20 years' time we'll be looking back at this like we look back on uh, prime Brazilian Ronaldo, the way he just went everywhere and just he was awesome in in the true sense of the word. He was awesome. But for me, I've gone brackets non Haaland player of the year because it's clearly <laughs> Haaland. Uh, Martin Odegaard for me. He's sensational. Watching when, him play, uh, everything he does with the ball, like whether it be out, like out of possession or in possession, it's just yeah. the way he conducts himself on the pitch. It's ma- 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 marvelous to see. I've tried to combine ma- ma- miraculous and marvelous in the same word there, and Nelly had a stroke. So I'll let you talk for marvelous, miraculous. <laughs> well, yeah, because when Arsenal signed him, I wasn't convinced. I thought it'd be like a, a lower profile Mesut Ozil where he'd, you know, he'd coast along, he'd end up there for a season or two longer than he should have. He wouldn't set the world on fire, but he's he's stepped up. He's He's been superb. Absolutely superb. He's a captain as well now, obviously. Yeah. 
Well, it's it's they always said with um with Liverpool with the captain's armband, the certain players that you put it on and they shrivel under the weight of the pressure of it. And there's others that it elevates them to the next level. Like with Jordan Henderson, when we made him captain, we were like, mm, but he grew into the role. With Odegaard, it's give him that armband and it's like he's got like plus five to every ability. He's like, yeah, no, great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead this team. Yeah, because there was a point in time when he got that obviously very early move to Madrid that like he could mm. be the next, I don't want to say, but he could have been the next Freddie Adu. And that's looked like it <laughs> in terms of being like the next best thing and the next Freddie Adu was inching more towards Freddie Adu than it was the next best thing. But then mm. Arsenal signed him. So I guess it was sort of seemingly out of nowhere on like a, you know, a European stage sort of like he wasn't, I can't remember being like talked about as like, wow, Arsenal have got a hell of a player here. I remember saying like, great potential, he could become something. Obviously, two years later, whatever it is now since he signed, yeah. he very much has become that thing. But it is just, he runs games, doesn't he, from the centre of the yeah. park. Whether He's, it be yeah. whatever you want to do, it's just him running games. So yeah, it's a, it's, it's obviously Haaland for player of the year, but if we're going to go for a second one, maybe him, or maybe De Bruyne, maybe what Rodri, I don't know. Maybe the entire oh, Manchester City eleven. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so from Player of the Year, we go to Flop of the Year. Um, I'll go first this time. I'm going to go for Jorginho Ruta of Leeds, mm. who is 20 years old as was Satya. He was bought for 36 million pounds on a five and a half year deal in January. This is off the back of 64 appearances in all competitions for Hoffenheim, where he scored 11 goals and made 11 assists. But for Leeds in the Premier League, signing him in January, obviously, to save their season, uh, do what Bamford couldn't do this season and put the ball in the back of the net. 10 appearances, no goals, and they went down. £36 million, five-and-a-half-year deal. I know we're in 2023 now, and £36 million is probably what... 9 million was in our youth or something like that but still it seems like when you look at who's been bought for 36 million pounds I'm trying to think of someone who's been bought for that ballpark recently as a Newcastle fan I think Bruno was 39, 40 or something like that I I don't think Gakpo was too much more than that for us yeah Somewhat like you'll you'll know the players who go for that sort of money that is a rotten transfer and my flop of the season Uh, for me my flop of the season is Leicester City (laughs) (laughs) They sleepwalked into relegation. It was completely avoidable. It's 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 mad. It's absolutely bonkers. That's that's a case where they held on to their manager for too long. Because like Conte yeah. was at Spurs, where he just telling the press conferences he wanted to get sacked. He'd had enough. He wasn't going to walk because there's a big bag of money waiting for you when he gets sacked. I, th- I was getting that similar vibe from Rogers for the longest time of, at Leicester press conferences. But he's he's full of character. Don't forget, it's Great all character. About character. Wonderful human being. I love that Colotore. <laughs> I'll not. I'll not hear any Colotore slander on, on my watch. But, hey, um... don't go to Wigan then. Oh, to see his managerial stint there this season. Oh, God, I forgot about that, yeah. I don't even think he won a game, did he? He might have done, I don't know. I haven't got the record in front of me. But he's such a lovely man. He is such but, a lovely uh, man. <laughs> but I, 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 am, uh, I am glad to see the back of Leicester. Why? They're just... They're obviously not the whole fan base. You can't tell a whole fan base, but whenever we play them, we get, you know, the usual, the poverty shout, the Tory shout, the monarchy shout. Oh, they just... No. <laughs> No, you so make not, my skin crawl. Not for any football reasons, just because their their fans are a bit arseholeish towards Liverpool fans. They're just minging. That's the only word I can think of. They're just a bit of a minging team. I've enjoyed. <laughs> but, uh, I tell you what, I've enjoyed watching Leicester ever since that, that first season when they came. Obviously, it was fourteen fifteen where they had the greatest escape mm-hmm. with Nigel Pe- uh, Pearson. You're an ostrich. You're an ostrich. <laughs> Remember those days? You're an ostrich. Yeah, because you know? uh, <laughs> it, it was a, a, um 
Was it Fab- was it Cannavaro they signed? Yeah. No, Cambiasso. No, Cambiasso. It was Esteban Cambiasso, because I remember at the time I was thinking, Jesus Christ, what have they done there? <laughs> but it was a revelation. Then he left. Yeah. Then they won the Premier League. Then yeah. they got, was it was at the quarters of the Champions League when they got knocked out by, oh, Atletico, was it? I think. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe, something like that. Obviously, Times mean English, Ross. Times I know, mean yeah. English. And obviously under Brendan Rodgers, they played some lovely stuff, won the FA Cup. So I've, I've, mm. you talk about you know, your teams like your Watfords and people like West Brom and Southampton who have been out for the past, well, whatever they've been up there. Not Maybe mm. that, that's harsh to say about Southampton, but, you know, largely nothing. Like Wigan. I hate that Wigan are the prime nothing football club in the Premier League for me. Leicester <laughs> yeah. have at least provided something for the Premier League. Yeah, but it's, it's it's weird thinking what's going to happen with the team because, you know, Madison's obviously going to go. Uh, Tielemans is going on a free, and whereas 12 months ago, Liverpool were linked with him, Arsenal were linked with him, Newcastle probably linked with him, and now everyone's kind of like, oh, even though he's on a free, I don't know. But I'll take a punt on him because we're probably going to sign no one else. So well, you're, getting, you're getting McAllister, aren't you? Yes, Hopefully. Hopefully, Hopefully, I think Fabrizio is the one who's saying it's nearly done. I see. I see. There's rumours that you get going in for Bruno. I saw that, and I was like, "Well, that's not going to happen, is he it?" He wouldn't do that to us. He's a Geordie now. He was in the press this week because he just had a, a sweet baby child recently, and he mm. was saying, "When that boy grows up, I think it's a boy. I hope it's a boy. Uh, he's going to play for uh, Newcastle. Not, not uh, sorry, play for England, not Brazil, because he's a, yeah. a, a full Geordie now. So he would, he would never, he would never do that to us, would you, Bruno?" Would you, Bruno? You never do. I'm getting angry now. Um, right, so young player of the year, and it can't be Haaland because we're not going to give him all the awards. So outside no. of Haaland, I've gone for Bukayo Saka. 14 goals, 11 assists this season speaks for itself, but I just think that he seems to be growing. Yes. You know that, that line in three lines where it's like, talk about football coming home. And then one night in Rome, we're strong. We had grown. That's Bukayo Saka this season. <laughs> A... But then you remembered that tackle by Moore. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, he's, he's just he's grown into one of the you know elite wingers in the Premier League for me this season because obviously he was oh, yeah he created a bit of a re- reputation for himself over the yeah. last three years or whatever doing good bits for England as well. But I think this has been the first season where it's like him and Martinelli on those two wings there for Arsenal has been like yeah they're they're they're, they're proper. I'm telling yeah. Cockney now they're proper. They're the dog's bollocks. They're different gravy. Yeah. Um, no, I've gone for Saka as well. I guess such a sense of joy from him when he plays. He just, he's really loving his football right now. And it's it's just really, it's good to watch as, I was say, as a neutral. But yeah, I, I like him. He, he seems like a likable, like when we were saying with the, the England squad the other year, me being a Liverpool fan, not really too bothered about England, but I was just like, this, it's such a, a likable bunch of lads. And he was like, seemed right in the middle of it when he was jumping into the pool on that like unicorn thing. I was like, <laughs> I hope he has a nice career, that boy. That's why we don't win anything, Jackers, because we are too nice as a squad. We've got no arseholes in that squad. Um, but yeah, it's especially what he's come through as well. Like, obviously, you think about the Euro final and that could have, yeah. that could have ended a career if like the wrong head was on the wrong shoulders and that sort of yeah. scenario. So seeing him bounce back from that and just becoming one of the, the better wingers in the league has been, I think it's fully deserved to, to call him the young player of the year if it's not going to be Haaland because we're not going to give him all the awards. He's had one, no. that's enough. Uh, signing of the season. Who's your signing of the season? Brackets, not Haaland. Um, <laughs> I've, gone for, I've gone for Casemiro. Oh, you know, I've. You'd think I'd dislike him. He plays for Man U. He used to play for Real Madrid, and he looks like a giant baby. But he's transformed United. Obviously, not just him alone, but when I think of the leaps and bounds they've come on this season, 
And I think it is that old cliche of he's he's a winner. Yeah. And he's just coming to that side with confidence and again, trialed off towards the end of the season, but at one one section of the season he was unplayable. He was superb. He's a lot more than I thought he was before he signed. I don't want to say, like, obviously, Sooness was on talk sport with him. He's like, oh, he's just, I don't know what he called him back in the day, but he's just like, oh, he's just side to side, passes this, that, and the other. Because you mm. watch, obviously, our main, well, my main exposure to him was obviously big European games for Real Madrid, where yeah. he wasn't bombing on like he does and getting into the box and all the, I don't know how many goals and assists he's got this season, but it's certainly more, I think, than maybe he would have had at Real Madrid. He seems to be a lot more, he's more of a complete player than I think he maybe got credit for before he arrived, but since yeah. he has arrived, it's just he's been that main driving force in the middle of the park, hasn't he? Yeah, he's been, he's been, like I said, as loath I am to say it, he's been superb. Yeah, it's been really, so again, a lot of questions were answered, like asked, like, was he 31 or something like that when he signed in the, the mm. three or four, was it three year with a four year option or something like that he signed for? Yeah. It's the sort of deal you just don't give to a player of that age, but if he can keep it up, which is obviously a huge ask as his body starts to wane and the pop belly starts to come on. and <laughs> 31's the new 25 now, though, isn't it? <laughs> I guess it so... is, yeah. Well, when you're not, well, when you're anybody but us, I guess. It's still, yeah. still I guess it's new 41, really, 31 for me. But uh, yeah, he's, yeah, he's been very, very good. But I was trying to, for the... I was just trying to think of someone who wasn't a Newcastle player, but there was one guy who kept coming to the forefront of my mind, and I go back to that defensive record. Joint best league with Manchester City, 33. He arrived with question marks attached to his name last summer because obviously he was linked with Milan for a long period of time. He was linked the season before with a, a whole host of like the t- tippy-top, well, more close to the Newcastle are tippy-top clubs in Europe, and they all said no for some reason. But Sven Botman has arrived and he is only 23. I said it on a different video on the channel, but he plays like he's 33. He's just got that nous. He's got that, you know, when people used to say about Rio Ferdinand, he's the Rolls Royce. Yeah. He's got that combination of strength and speed. He can be dirty when he needs to. He can be elegant when he wants to. He's got everything. And I hope we get Champions League next season as well. Otherwise, he's gone. That first season we don't get Champions League is when he says goodbye to Newcastle and goes to the very, very tippy top because he is he's, he's that good. And he's brought yeah. he's, he's brought along Fabian Shaw, who couldn't get a game under Steve Bruce. Remember, he's brought yeah. him along with him, and they just complement each other so well. And he's just a, a signing of a season and making a real difference to a defence. I know that things were okay towards the end of last season with Byrne and Shaw as our like first choice centre half pairing. Now Byrne's been moved out of left back for much of the season, apart from the last game uh, where Target came in. But Botman's just he's he's different gravy. Different gravy. <laughs> it was one of those. I remember when you signed him as well, talking with yourself and Aiden saying, like you said, there were question marks around him, but I was like, that's going to be a hell of a sign in there. That's that's what you get for he was thirty five million, I think, as well. So that's yeah. going back to your old uh, Ruta from Leeds. That's what you get from. Uh, for 35 million but he's just I can't speak high enough of him he's been fantastic and I think he's made a lot of people's team of the season as well so I was trying again don't I'm not biased I was trying to think of a non-Newcastle player but that's the guy who kept coming up in my mind but there we go (laughs) moving on from signing of the season to the biggest surprise of the season now this is sort of like up to your own interpretation I guess it might be a player might be a team I've gone for Leicester as my biggest surprise of the season I'll just name a few names who you know shouldn't be getting relegated from the Premier League but they have been Vardy, Barnes Thielmans and Didi I think he's a good player uh, Soyuncu has dropped off massively Johnny yeah. Evans Castagna Pereira I know he missed a, a chunk of the season but he's still he came in for the last couple or something so that he counts I guess Madison Iniacho he can put the ball in there that team with Rogers as manager I don't know what's happened a lot of people made of 
the sort of uh, not investment being there like the past couple of seasons where it had been for the you know the previous however many seasons but whatever's gone wrong there has been a huge shock and it just you always felt like i remember there was a game at spurs they played away last like like before the world cup i should say and you felt like right that was like that's as bad as it can get and then it just mm-hmm. kept going to a different new low then a different new low and it just it never the ship never got righted it just went like that down to the bottom of the sea yeah, because I remember when they signed Daka, and I thought, ooh, this this will be the, the next evolution of Leicester coming here, and he hasn't really set the world on fire, has he? Yeah, I left him off your list of players there, because he has done, he's done bugger roll, hasn't he? Yeah, exactly, and like, what, how old's Jamie Vardy now? 37, I think, <laughs> off the top, yeah. yeah. I think he's he, he's going to stay there. I, oh, I don't could, think he's going anywhere. You could see him firing Leicester back up. Yeah, do you reckon? Maybe. I mean, he got a couple of goals towards the end of the season, didn't he? So he still he still got a bit in his in his in his locker. Excuse me, but just imagine saying at the start of the season like Leicester's going to go down. Yeah, was it fifth they finished last like twenty twenty two something like that? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, imagine saying they were going down at the start of the season. So they have been my biggest surprise of the season. What has yours been? <laughs> the opposite, but for similar reasons. Fulham. Before a ball had been kicked, like you said, like you're saying, you didn't think that there was a world where Leicester would go down. I didn't think there was a world where Fulham would stay up. Um, but they, they've played good football. They've not shrank under the spotlights. They spent well. I mean, William springs to mind. The what? evergreen. I know that William and obviously Marco Silva will speak the same language, being Brazilian and Portuguese and whatnot. But yeah. what, how could he be so bad at Arsenal and then go to Fulham and sort of get? Not what he was at Chelsea, but get back more towards what he was at Chelsea than what he was at Arsenal. What's happened there? I have no idea at all. It must be (laughs) something different that side of London. I don't know. Um, But I I think that they could be the new new Southampton in that I think they'll be okay for a couple of seasons as long as they don't absolutely spunk the money. I can't see them staying in the Premier League for like a 20-year run or anything like that, but I think they'll be all right for a couple of seasons. Yeah, it's not one as well, because obviously Marco Silva at Everton didn't yeah. do... His, his reputation took a batter in there, didn't it? So him answering yeah. the questions. Because I, I think a lot of people thought it was a weird appointment for Fulham to make when he did in the championship. And then he, obviously, the brand of football he was playing, getting Mitrovic the, the goal-scoring record and that sort of stuff. It's uh, That yeah. brand of football's continued in the Premier League, and yeah, it's it, it has been surprising how good they've been. Yeah, and uh, just for anyone out there, uh, if uh, Tony Khan could wire that money straight into my bank account, that's uh... <laughs> the. I think he hates everything to do with anything I'm associated with, so if he even knows about it, but there we go. And uh, that's besides the point. Goal of the season we've gone for now. So, who is yours scored by? A team that we've talked about a lot. It was Yuri Tielemans for Leicester against Everton in November. Off the knee, into a volley, in the onion bag, wash. Up the onion bag. Oh, yeah. Up the onion bag. It's a wonderful goal. I saw a watching match of the day over the weekend there, as I always, always manage to I'll make sure to catch the last one of the season. So I see mm. the end of season montage. I love a, a teary montage. Of remembering the good times, you know. Um, but <laughs> seeing who won that, I've forgotten now off the top of my head. Who the hell won their goal of the season? Ah, oh, I've come I, with. I've not, I've, I don't know, because there was a lot of very similar ones this year, wasn't there? Outside yeah. of the box, right hand side of the box, ping it into the corner. Yeah, because my vote mm. went to whatever month. I think it was October. Was it was October's goal of the month? I think uh, Almiron's away at Fulham is mine. Oh, yeah, of how that was superb. It's the little pass inside to Bruno again. It's a Newcastle one. I know what the comments are going to say, but I'm trying not to. But it's just it's Van Basten. But if Van Basten was played by Miguel Almiron, who at the time <laughs> I know I know was 
on a fantastic scoring run. But again, it's Miguel Almiron who's had that purple patch, but he's dropped off to what he was before the purple patch, which is a guy with a lot of endeavour, a lot of effort, a lot of running, but no end product. And this time he couldn't not score in a game. It was a weird time to be alive. But the way he plays inside of Bruno and continues his run, then Bruno plays this lovely little chip pass. And Mm. with the outside of his left foot, from the far side of the, the, the far right side of the box, to hit it like that over the goalkeeper when he can't be trying anything else, that's not a cross. It can't be. You don't hit no. a cross like that. For that to fly in, to have the audacity to, to be Miguel Almiron <laughs> and even try that, I think it's worthy of goal of the season. So I forget who got match of the days now, obviously the comments of the goal wild again, but it wasn't that one. It wasn't even. Was it Inciso for Brighton? I think that was the one that got it. Maybe. Inciso, it be yeah. When he, he thunderbasted it in the top corner against Manchester City. But for me, the fact it's Almiron, who doesn't have the same rep as your Inciso already does have as one of the best. Players in, or young players in European football, uh, just that is an amazing that, goal to watch. That purple patch for Almiron was amazing. It was like very funny. <laughs> like, again, before a ball was kicked, if you would have said, oh yeah, at, at times this season, Miggy Almiron's going to be like prime Marco van Basten. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, Jack Grealish awoke a monster when he said that thing. Yeah, last, he really last did. Season. Yeah, but uh, I guess yeah. he's back to being what Jack Grealish thought he was as we're sat here now at the end of the season, which is a bit, bit mm. of a shame, but he's not as bad as he was. Um, so we'll go from goal of the season to villain of the season. Who's your villain of the season? I'll keep this short. We went on about it a lot last week. It's uh, I've gone for a concept, and it's the standard of refereeing in the Premiership. <laughs> <laughs> Say no more. I can't argue yeah. with that. Needs to, something needs to change. I'm not hopeful that it will, but yeah. I could go for. I guess we could bring back last week's uh, topic of discussion and go for the Valencia. Uh, sorry, the the Liga president, whatever he was. I've forgotten his name already. Uh, Javier Tebas. Javier Tebas. We could go for yeah. him for villain of the season, but that's not even Premier League, so I'll shut up right there. I've written down Eddie Howe, master of the dark arts, because everyone hates. It's time wasting when Newcastle do it, but then it's it's game management when Arsenal do it, for example. I begrudgingly respect it because one of my problems with Liverpool at times is we're a bit too nice. Yeah. Um, like. Every time we play Real Madrid, we're just like, oh, Real Madrid, come along, sir. Would you like to play foot? It's like, no, two foot of bastards to Rosehead. <laughs> it's, 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 like they say, it is the dark art, but it's, it's there for a reason. It's unsportsmanlike, ungentlemanly, not quite English, but you need it. But imagine and... like being a team like Newcastle were in the, the start of the season. I forget what month it was. It was one of the first three or four months of the season before the World Cup. Go to Arsenal away. Arsenal, who hadn't not scored in every single game this season. Hadn't mm. not scored in every single game this season? Yeah, that's the right way to say it. They'd scored in every game at home so far yeah. this season. And we went there and we were disgusted. We got a nil-nil draw, which nobody else had done. And we got pelters for it. It's disgraceful. <laughs> we're away from home. What more do you want? But I guess I'll go, since everyone hates Newcastle now, I'll go for Eddie Howe, Master of the Dark Arts. He's yeah. like Voldemort. <laughs> but with his like top, Jose Mourinho. With his top button done up like Voldemort. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So that villain of the season, done and dusted. I yeah. guess, do you want, did you want to say anything about the referees? Because I guess there's a, a couple of instances that you got in mind that uh, made you just, nominate in there. Just wankers, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> uh, not, as in, not, not as individuals, as a group, as a collective. They're just, it feels like it's gone too far now, as opposed that they're just trying to protect themselves and each other rather than play to the the letter of the law i was just about to say rest in peace andre mariner he hasn't died 
but he's retired from uh, Premier League refereeing after 19 years. I've got no opinion on Andre Mariner. I don't think he was especially good at his job. I don't think he was the worst at his job. But no. the, the main thing has come from the Peter Crouch podcast because they have sort of made him into a character that he's clearly not. I think they had him on and he's just a normal fella, but he's called Dre. And they just expect him with him being called Dre to have his own locker room with lights around and stuff like that. You know, that sort of gimmick. Um, but yeah, so I guess that's his most. That's the best thing about Dre is the fact that yeah. Peter Crouch made him into something that he's not. <laughs> I, I had a mate I used to work with who really hated Uriah Rennie. That was oh, his problem. <laughs> he hated him. Don't get me started on him. He sent up Alan Shearer on the opening day of the season for backing into a centre-half. I forget who it was. Might have been Southgate, I can't remember. Villa won 1-0 at St James's Park and Uriah Rennie sent, sent Shearer off for backing in. Oh, it's disgraceful. I hate Uriah Rennie. Anyway, favourite player of the season to watch. I've gone for Odegaard. We spoke about him at length earlier for a different mm-hmm. award, but he's been my favourite player to watch this season. It's just, it's it's a master class. He's yeah. different gravy. Different um, gravy. Every single time he goes on the pitch, it's just the, the passing... It's the tackling, it's the, the, the barking. I'll enjoy a good bark from a captain where it's just like, you go there! You, over there! I enjoy, <laughs> I enjoy those sort of stuff. So yeah, just he's, I think he's morphing into the total player as we're sat here now. He could, yeah. become, he could become one of them in the future. Yeah, and like we said, he's, he's only young, isn't he? Yeah. So it, it's, it's scary how long of a career he's potentially got ahead of him. But for me, for my favourite player, it's less about how they played. And you've gone quite, you know, biased at times with your Newcastle stuff. I'm going straight to Liverpool. It's Alison Becker. Single-handedly saved our season. No puns intended there. Without him, we'd be absolutely bollocksed. Mm. He's just... He's the only one at times he looked arsed this season. And he came out and said it in some of the post-match comments. He basically said, some of the lads aren't pulling their weight around here and I'm sick of it. And you're like, go ahead, Ali. And... <laughs> Yeah, That's he's... Right. he's made our holding give team of the year. Myself and Owen and Joel uh, put a collective team of the year forward, and he was the goalkeeper because mm. they yeah. both uh, just to peel the curtain back a bit. Before we shot that video, they were they were. I was like, "How many Liverpool players have you got?" Because they're they're they take bias to a different level. Those two at times, and I was like, yeah. "You can't have too many Liverpool players there when you've been that bad this season in large parts." And they were like, "We've got two and I was like, "Oh, one must be Salah. That's fair enough." And I was like, "Who's the other one?" And they were, they both said Alisson. I was like, "Surely not." But then you look at the stats and you look at. I think Joel brought a stat forward about like mistakes made in terms of like big mistakes that led directly to goals. And Allison's just got non-compared to De Gea's, who did get the Golden Glove, but has yeah. some attached to his name. So he has been better than you maybe think. I guess is what you would say about Allison. Yeah, I mean, I I'd, I know you. I saw your team of the season and your um, underrated team of the season as well. I've quickly. I'll just rattle this off quickly. My Ooh. team of the season has got two Liverpool players in it. Uh, so I've gone for Allison Trippier. Diaz, Botman, Luke Shaw. I think Luke Shaw has been transformed this season. Mm. Um, Odegaard, Rodri, De Bruyne, Salah, Haaland, Martinelli. Most of them don't need explaining. No Kane? Oh, I can never put Harry Kane in. He scored 30 goals for that Spurs side. I know, but... <laughs> he's a said. lovely, wholesome man. <laughs> he's the one in the 8-1 every week, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I think we largely agree with most of your picks there. I'm trying to think. Martinelli, I think, was one that we didn't maybe have. Mm. But he, he doesn't need explaining, does he? He's been one of the best no. wingers this season by far. And then we end with favourite game of the season. This could be your own team. This could be someone else's team. I'm going to assume we've both got our own team involved somehow. Yes. What's yours? It, well, I think you can get it. It was uh, Liverpool Football Club 7, Manchester United 0. Uh, I just spent most of it 
pissing myself laughing. So did Jamie, Jamie Carragher, which was funny to watch. Just that high, squealy, cackly that he's got going on. It's just, yeah, that was funny. Yeah, I, I watched that at home on my own and I was just laughing. And Sean came and said, what are you laughing at? And I was just like, oh, we're just, we're battering Man U and it's great. <laughs> <laughs> That's how petty we are this season. Uh, we needed it. And at the time we thought, oh, here we go. We're going to, we're going to finish in the Champions League spots. And then we were just all over the place, but it was, it was lovely. It was yeah. lovely. Yeah. Uh, my favourite game comes from Newcastle. I've tried going for one that the neutral would have appreciated as well, and that was Newcastle 3, Manchester City 3 from the start of the season. Turtle mm. football, I think some might call it. It was a wonderful game to watch. Never mind who you support. I think anyone as a football fan would have got something from the game. And just as a Newcastle fan from that perspective, after the years of Rafa and Steve Bruce not even attempted to play football when Manchester City came to St James's Park in the hope that we might get a 0-0 or a 1-1, something like that, to see us take the game to Man City and be 3-1 up at one point yes we threw it away a bit but this I think they scored two goals in two minutes to make it 3-3 but seeing us take the game to them and just the progression already under Eddie Howe uh, was evident for all to see and just again the, the finish of Callum Wilson the free kick from uh, Kieran Trippier straight in the top bins was unbelievable so yeah the, the game had everything maybe apart from a red card and maybe a dog run on the pitch it was it had everything <laughs> else though it was just an amazing game of football it was just nice to see Newcastle involved in that stuff again because you go back you know Premier League's greatest games in the 90s were involved all the time, but it's been a long time since we were, and I guess now with that sort of stuff, we're back up there. Up, up yeah. the Eddie Howe. Up the head. It, it was one of those ones where everyone just kind of went, ooh, okay, Newcastle might have something about them this season. And um, I think it's not unfair to say you overachieved, but... Oh, yeah, we did. I, I think... <laughs> I think next season is very important for you. Yeah, very worried. I'll do a video about that soon, about the worry for a Newcastle fight ahead of next season, mm. even though everything's quite nice at the minute. So there we go. Let us know your Premier League awards from the awards we've had here in the comments and different comment things. Tweet us around the world different things. I don't know what I'm saying now, but we'll bring the podcast to an end there, Jack Atkins. <laughs> Any closing remarks before we go away for another week? Um... No, I'm just. I was just thinking, and I was like, "Oh, the season's over. What have we got to talk about? This cup finals. We'll talk about cup finals. It's not finished yet. Of course, the Europa League is happening. I guess when this goes live, depends mm. how long it's going to take the process on YouTube. Um, yeah. And then we've got the FA Cup final at the weekend. Europa, uh, sorry, the Champions League <coughs> upcoming as well. All the finals still to talk about. The season will never ever end. So there we go. I've been Ross Twell, joined by Jackins. Thank you for listening. Remember, mailbag is Ross at holdandgive.com, and we'll see you. Next week. Bye. Bye.